This is Justin Pearson from Def Club and The Locust, and you are listening to The New Scene. everybody and welcome to a very special halloween episode of the new scene or should i say the boo scene Ooh, halloween is upon us it's one of my favorite seasons always has been lots of fun we're gonna have a lot of fun on this episode too we have a horrifying terrifying bone chilling guest we have jeff howe Or should I say, Jeff Howell, of Reversal of Man, Combat Wounded Veteran, and of course, Horsewhip. Horsewhip is Jeff's latest band. They have a new LP coming out on Iodine Recordings. It's called Consume and Burn. So if you're a fan of fast and metallic hardcore, you're going to love this. I do. I love everything I've heard so far. And I love this conversation with Jeff. We cover everything. His previous bands, Horsewhip the upcoming LP, everything. And you remember a while ago, uh, when the new scene first started, we had Scott Krause from Earth Crisis on the show, right? And we asked him about the famous reversal of man, get the kid with the sideburns incident. Scott gave us his side of the story, and we get Jeff's side of the story during this conversation. It's a great conversation, and that's coming up shortly. But first... Here's how you can support the Boo Scene. Ooh. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at New Scene Pod. Follow us on Twitch at The New Scene. Shirts. We have shirts available for sale at Deathwish Inc. We've got a long sleeve option and some short sleeve options. Pick one up. It's a great way to support the show. Reviews. We are in desperate need of Spotify and Apple Podcast reviews. If you have not rated the podcast on either of those platforms, open up the app and hit the five-star button. We stand at 192 on Spotify and I think 138 on Apple Podcasts. I'm trying to get us over 200 on both. We're close on Spotify, but we've got a long way to go on Apple, so please hit that five-star button. Another great way to support the show with minimal effort. Check out the New Scene 2023 Spotify playlist. I have all of our guests in there and my own personal recommendations. Give that a follow. And you can always reach me at newscenepod at iodinerecords.com. Also, don't forget to support Iodine Recordings. Six going on seven. Self-Made Mess, the LP remaster, is out now. Self-Made Mess is the debut album from Boston's indie rock emo band Six Going On Seven. It's been out of print for over 25 years, and this highly influential album helped define a genre that bridged the gap between hardcore-influenced emo and indie rock. It's a great record. I've had Josh on the show before. He's awesome. Check it out. Highly recommended. Garrison, A Mile in Cold Water, the LP remaster is out now. That's the debut full-length from Garrison. It originally came out on Revelation Records in the year 2000. 
and it's been completely remixed by Kurt Ballou at God City Studio and remastered by Jack Shirley. There's an event at Generation Records in New York City on Sunday, November 5th, celebrating 30 years of Slip by Quicksand. The event features Walter Schreifels, Norman Brannon, Melinda Beck, John Marcus, and Casey from Iodine Recordings. They'll be discussing the Slip reissue and the book that accompanied it, and I will be there too, and you can ask me what it was like to talk to Walter and Norman, right? And then you can talk to Walter and Norman themselves, because they'll be there, and you can ask them what was it like to talk to Keith, and they'll be like, who is that? Horsewhip, Consume and Burn. The LP is out November 10th. Pre-order that now. You'll hear more about that record when we talk to Jeff shortly. Also, don't forget to support this month's sponsor, Evil Greed. Evil Greed is an online store and merchandise company based in Berlin, Germany. It's a carefully selected and curated roster of bands and labels. Evil Greed is the online marketplace for bands and labels to sell their merchandise and for us to buy that merchandise. They have stores for all of the biggest and best bands, Drain, Incendiary, Scowl, Knocked Loose, Military Gun, and all of the biggest labels, Triple B, Closed Casket Activities, Flat Spot Records, and of course, Iodine Recordings. They offer fair, fast, and cheap worldwide shipping, especially to the USA. Check out the full line of merchandise at evilgreed.net and make sure you follow them on Instagram at evil underscore greed. You want to be the first to find out about all the latest merch drops and get your hands on them first. Okay. So listen, check back in with me in segment three. We'll do a terrifying, horrifying recap of everything that's going on with me. But right now, we are going to speak to Jeff Howell of Horsewhip. Enjoy. Right. We are here now with Jeff Howell. Jeff, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yes, Jeff, it's exciting to have you here. You have a storied history in music, Reversal of Man, 
combat wounded veteran, and of course now, Horsewhip, the great Horsewhip on Iodine Recordings. And you know what, Jeff? We're going to cover all of that and more. But first, I want to ask you, how are you doing today? I'm doing great today. We, uh, we had a hurricane come through last night, so I didn't get the best sleep, but I'm hanging in there. How was the hurricane? Was it crazy? Was it like a normal hurricane, a light hurricane? Um, it really wasn't that bad for us. It was mostly, I'd say probably a lot of rain, some wind, um, but the worst part is the the storm surge. Yeah. And the time that it was happening made the water level high here, and then we had high tide between oh. noon and two o'clock today. So what is bad about that? Is there like flooding? Flooding, yeah, mostly co- like coastal flooding. Um, some of the neighborhoods that are real close to the water, or the bay, even some of the rivers, they get they get most of the flooding. I see. Where in Florida are you exactly? Uh, St. Petersburg. Ah, okay. Yeah, I've sorry. been there before. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Completely surrounded by water. <laughs> so where you live, are you okay? Yeah, yeah. We're like right in the center of St. Pete. So basically, if everything flooded, we would be a tiny island. <laughs> so uh, did you grow up there? Uh, I did not. I I was born in California and kind of moved all over because my dad was in the Navy. Yeah. Um, and then when we were like elementary school, we moved to Florida, but that was in Orlando. And uh, I lived in Orlando till the end of high school. Then right after high school, I moved to Tampa. What prompted you to move to Tampa? Uh, reversal of man. Ah, yes. Yeah. Yes. So I was doing that mostly through high school. Um, so, I, you know, I'd when I was able to drive, I'd drive down to Tampa every week and go to band practice or shows or whatever. And then uh, once I finished high school, I moved down to Tampa and lived with a couple other people and continued. So you actually joined that band in high school? Yeah, yeah. I was 15, I think, when I joined. I think I, yeah, I think we did our the first tour I went on. I what couldn't even drive yet. <laughs> <laughs> So how did you get hooked up in that scene? Like, talk about that. What what were some of the early shows you went to? What was some of the music that grabbed you? Um, so I met John, who played drums in Reversal. I met him at Food Not Bombs in Orlando because he lived in Orlando. I think, God, most of those kids that went to Food Not Bombs, I feel like there was a very uh, wide array of musical taste. Like, you know, you had some like... I guess more of the punk kids than a few of like the hardcore kids that were more into like the, you know, frail and groundwork, stuff like that. Um, then also like crass, the subhumans, that kind of stuff. And I feel like I kind of gravitated towards all of it. Like I said, I met John doing Food Not Bombs, um, started going shows together, stuff like that. I remember riding down to Tampa to see Reversal of Man play in a house for a food, not bombs benefit. Um, and a, a bunch of other Tampa bands played that. Then let's see. That seemed like it probably was only a few months after that, that he asked me if I wanted to play bass in reversal man. And I said, absolutely. Were you ready for that? 15 years old. Was this, had you been in other bands before? I was in a band currently at that time, um, a band called adversary. Mm-hmm. 
with some other people who went on to be in a band called Carlisle after I was done with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd been playing. I mean, wasn't good or anything like that, but I I was playing and I was interested in playing hardcore and I don't know, running around and screaming and doing that kind of stuff. It's fun stuff. It was. <laughs> <laughs> So that you know, I'm I'm drawing parallels here. So you you linked up at Food Not Bombs, and it sounds like at, at least part of Reversal of Man came out of that. And P- Reversal of Man is part of this greater screamo thing that we know of now. And you know, there was like something similar going on in New York City. I had uh, Billy from Seisha on the show, and they were they were hooked in at ABC No Rio, and there was like a lot of uh, there was like a lot of charity. Uh, organizational stuff going on there that they were connected with. So uh, I guess this was like a thing, right? It sounds like these type of bands were kind of involved in these type of scenes that were helping people. For sure. Um, I feel like that was kind of always the the better thing about it. Like we were always, there was always a benefit show or something to help other people, you know, whether it was feeding them or housing them or even as far as, you know, playing like uh, animal rights type shows, stuff like that. Something always benefiting something else. It wasn't always just a show for a show, you know? Yeah. Where did you fall with all that stuff, like in, in terms of helping people or charities or political stuff? Like before I got into hardcore, I was kind of a product of my neighborhood, which was like white, lower middle class, mostly Republican very narrow views and then hanging out in the hardcore scene and linking up with you know other people i developed more of the mindset i had now and broke out of that uh, small town or small minded small town viewpoint yeah it's probably pretty similar i mean like i said my dad was in the navy yeah. um my mom was you know she was kind of a stay at home mom so definitely living on like uh uh what would you call it like military housing stuff like that mm. so definitely not well to do or anything um but I, I really don't know how i fell into it i don't really remember um but i, I just i don't know maybe it maybe it was something that came along with like being interested in punk and hardcore and that's kind of went hand in hand was to help other people yeah you know yeah it's it's still like that and i like that yeah yeah for sure um, then, you know, it got me, I know I've said it before, the, you know, the person that introduced me to like hardcore also introduced me to like veganism and being straight edge and stuff like that. Um, so I kind of, like I said, I kind of all went hand in hand back then. I don't know if it does so much anymore these days, but, uh, yeah, it's not like the pinnacle of the mid nineties vegan straight edge movement anymore, but it, th- those elements are certainly still there. Yeah, for sure. For sure. it, it, it actually surprises me. Like I've had younger bands on the show, 19, 20, early 20s, and they're straight edge. And they're like, no, this is what we do. And this is what we're going to do. And I'm like, wow, when I was your age, I was like doing every drug I could all, yeah. as often as I could. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I, I I was straight edge from, you know, I think it was 14 when I was, you know, discovered it. Not that yeah. I was doing anything crazy then anyway, um, but straight edge from then you know, until my early twenties. Yeah. Um, and you know, I did vegetarian and vegan for a long time. Then I stopped in my early twenties and then about five years ago, uh, I started eating vegan again. 
um, and have been since then. So, what prompted you to go back to veganism? Uh, a few things. Um, so my wife was always a vegetarian, mm-hmm. um, and it made you know cooking dinners tough, and you know just little things like that, which really didn't matter too much. Um, but there was. I'm going to try to remember this quote. She found this quote online or something, and I don't remember who said it. And she said it to me, and I was like, it kind of opened my eyes to thinking differently and eating differently. And it was, um, you know, I was like, I'm not going to quote it perfectly because I can't remember it exactly. But it was uh, something along the lines of a few seconds of, uh, oh man, I'm going to have to look it up. You said uh, it prompted you guys to open vegan businesses as well? Uh, for sure. Yeah. So talk about that. At the same time, like we had uh, some newer friends that moved to St. Pete from Gainesville and that had a, a little vegan deli. And this was actually something she had thought about for a long time is, uh, okay, here, I've got it. Oh, here we go. Okay. If you're ready for it. I'm ready. <laughs> it says 15 minutes of sensory pleasure isn't worth an entire life of suffering. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. That's heavy. Yeah. And like I said, I don't remember who said it, but it was one of those things is like, oh man, you, you're totally right. You know? And, and it's not that I didn't feel that way before, you know, it's just, I don't know. I think. It just kind of slid you back. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Like I'm not vegetarian out of sheer laziness because I've been in relationships where the other person is vegetarian and they did a lot of cooking. So I would eat mostly vegetarian and I was fine with it. But me, I just, you know, if I'm by myself, I'm ordering from the same few places and eating the same few dishes. And I'm, I don't know, I'm just not motivated to break out of that necessarily. But you, it probably wasn't a hard transition for you to go back because you've done it before, right? Yeah. And it wasn't. And thing, it's so much easier now than it was in 1996, you know? Like, oh God, I can imagine. It's, it's insane how how easy and like and good it is now too like there's some amazing food out there yeah when you eat at like a legit vegan restaurant that's good the food is so good i i'm like wow if i had someone to just make this for me all the time <laughs> i would 100% be vegan but that's it like it's it's hard and then it's hard in this especially in this country because you know meat is uh forced down our throats everywhere mm-hmm. yeah for sure so we uh, so uh, back it up here a little bit. We uh, started a vegan hot dog cart. Oh, um, so there's there was one in Orlando that actually started in like ninety eight, ninety seven, ninety eight, I think. And we kind of always referenced it, like whenever we went to Orlando, always went to the vegan hot dog cart. So we we're like, that'd be awesome if some, if St. Pete had something like this, and it it had one that was like a vegetarian cart, and it was awful. The hot dogs tasted like sand. <laughs> um, and it was done. It wasn't around anymore. So we started this one. We just turned. We just turned four years old with it this past April. But um, so we started ours, and like kind of, kind of with the same like idea as the one in Orlando. Like we we use the same hot dogs, that kind of stuff, but we kinda we aren't out every day, stuff like that. So we create like a special that we'll have for like a month, you know, and then we go out, we're probably out three to four times a month at most. Where do you go? Like sporting events or other things where um, people are gonna be? 
it's funny because we when we started it, our idea was like, oh, we're gonna, you know, go outside of the bars and, you know, feed all these drunk people. And we did that at first and it was awful. Like being out that late sucked. It was not fun dealing with drunk people. Like yeah. it was tough. And then we fell in, it's like some friends of ours run in an indie flea market here in St. Pete. It goes only through the wintertime, but we fell, kind of fell into that. So we started doing these indie fleas and that was like awesome for us. It was, they do it once a month on either Saturday or Sunday. I can't remember. And the day was awesome and it was worth it. And then, so we'll usually do that and then pick like a couple other things to do throughout the month. Sometimes big, sometimes small, um, but it just didn't didn't matter at the time, you know. Like like doing it now, like we can kind of pick and choose what we want to do, and yeah, so it's it's pretty fun. And then, like I said, years later, about a year ago, we opened up a vegan restaurant with some other friends of ours. Oh, really? Yeah. So, so how often are you there? What do you do? I'm not there nearly as much as my wife Jenny. Yeah. So her, so it's a total of six partners in it and three of them run the restaurant. So it's my wife and another couple that run the restaurant. So they're all there a good portion of the time there. Somebody's there all the time that it's open. I'd say for the most part, uh, I just left there cause I went there to have dinner <laughs> <laughs> and she was there working. So it's just kind of easy to sit and have dinner while, and you know, we were researching our next vacation on, for right now but uh she's there kind of just in case you know yeah so after high school you move to tampa to join reversal of man what did your parents think about this i you know it sounds like a strict navy upbringing so i was i was already in reversal man i don't know how i got away with a lot of things that i did but i did (laughs) um there was a, a point in like early high school that my dad didn't live with us. He was stationed in South Carolina, mm-hmm. but since we were already in school in Florida, we, we stayed back and he, he went up to South Carolina. Um, I think while he was gone those couple of years, I, you know, I got into trouble skateboarding, stuff like that. Nothing crazy. We weren't, we were all like a bunch of straight edge kids skateboarding. So it's not like we were out doing drugs or anything, which is around, you know, not too much later after that, I would, joined a band, going on tour and stuff like that. We'll say going on tour loosely because it was like, you know, you go for a few days at a time. But yeah, once I was done with high school, I mean, I was 18 already. So I graduated and pretty much the the day after my last day of school, I moved all my stuff down to Tampa. And that summer was the tour that we went on with Ass Suck in 98. Oh, what a tour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It was pretty wild. So basically moved moved all my stuff into Tampa and then left and went on tour. What did your parents think though? Did they not want you to go? Did they support you being in a band? Yeah, they were they were they were cool with it. Um, you know, looking back on it, I think I'm shocked that they were as cool as they were about it. Yeah. You know, seeing because now I have friends that have high school age kids and to think of them going on tour at that age is is insane to think of you know but <laughs> yeah so yeah how was that uh reversal of man asuk tour that sounds pretty epic it was amazing it was uh i think it was 42 days straight with no days off whoa um yeah we went up east coast did a bunch of shows in the northeast then headed out west and 
did the the whole West Coast and then came back across. I think we ended up having one day off because we ended up not playing one of the shows in Texas. I think that was it. How were the shows and what was the scene like? What kind of bands were you playing with? You know, I'm always fascinated by scenes that I wasn't necessarily part of. Like I was into really metallic hardcore and all the crossover stuff that was happening in the late 90s. So tell me about how how some of the shows were. I think we had a little bit of both of that. So I feel like in like the Northeast, we played with more... God, I could be wrong on this tour. I don't know if it's this tour or the tour the next year, but we played with ISIS oh. in Boston. Yeah. And I, I want to say it was one of their first shows, but I'm not sure. But that could have also been the 1999 tour. I don't remember. Yeah. Um, we did a bunch of shows in the Northeast with The Locust and Jenny Piccolo. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, most of the shows were awesome. There was a, a handful that were you know smaller than the others. We did the... The West Coast, we played in Victoria and Vancouver with uh, that punk band Detestation, which was awesome. It was just kind of all over the place, especially being with Asuk. They had such a huge like punk grindcore following as well as metal. Yeah, and then you'd have like the hardcore kids come out for us. So it was a lot of different stuff. And now that I think about it, that was not the show that we played with ISIS. It was that was something that was the the following year because we did definitely did the most of the northeast with the locusts and we played I remember we played in Long Island with I forget the name of the band but it was somebody from Vision of Disorders new band so it was like a really strange crowd <laughs> yeah just kind of all over like I said most of the shows the crowd was all over the place which was cool it was like a small that that type of music was like a. I guess a more niche scene at the time because I had a couple friends who were into the more screamo stuff like you guys and the Locust and uh, who's the other band Joshua Fit for Battle and all that kind of stuff. Like I, I knew a few people into it, but I I don't I was just only into hardcore at the time. Yeah, yeah. It's, I think I mean with us as the band too. Like I think we were all kind of into different music. At the same time, we all loved Asuk, still love Asuk, you know, like that's that's one of the greatest bands to come out of Tampa. Um, you know, but at the same time, like our in the tour band, we'd be listening to Sarah McLaughlin, you know, like Oh really? Yeah. We had definitely had like uh tried to not listen to too much like crazy heavy music in the yeah. band. Cause it it was a lot. It wore on you after, you know, playing a, a show and with, you know, four or five other bands. It was a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's not my go-to music while on tour at all. It's yeah, like same. it's like too much. Yeah. But I'm also 41 now, so it's not my go-to most of the time now either. <laughs> yeah, it's same same with me. Like I've you know, I love certain bands. I think even finding new bands now like, you know, that are great and super talented and fun and love playing shows with them and they're friends of ours and what have you, but it's, it's, you know, I throw it on every once in a while, but if, you know, not usually when I'm driving to work at six 30 in the morning. <laughs> no, I have to be in the mood. Like sometimes I'm walking somewhere and I want to get really amped. So I'll put on like a really heavy metallic band, either something old or one of the good newer ones. You know, it's like, a, mm -hmm. it's like when I want to put myself in a specific mindset. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Yeah. So what kind of stuff were you into? I'm talking like 
you know, you just moved down to Tampa. Reversal of Man is Reversal of Man is touring. Like it sounds like you were into a little bit of everything, music wise. I was. I I loved like, you know, I guess back then it would have been oldies stuff. I loved like the fifties and sixties rock. I loved like I loved pop music, like just a, a little bit of everything I liked, you know, but at the same time, you know, I loved Porches of Past, you know, all these hard, crazy hardcore bands. But I would also was known to put on a Lisa Loeb record, you know. Mm. See, did you ever do When I got into hardcore, I pretty much cast aside all my other music. And I was like, I only listen to hardcore. And then I discovered emo and I was like, I only listen to emo. Like I would throw away everything else. Did you ever have a phase like that? I did not do that. It, like I grew up when I, so I'd say before I discovered like hardcore and stuff like that, I was into metal, you know, Metallica shirts, Slayer shirts, what have you. Um, way into that stuff, discovered hardcore, but at the same time, I think was like into like Nirvana, Pearl Jam, like the grunge stuff. I still love all that stuff. Um, but I think as as I discovered more, I just kind of like not really found a connection with them, but like I was like, it's to me it wasn't that different. It was still heavy, it was still, you know, heartfelt, um, maybe some in different ways or whatever. But uh I never was never never got rid of my Metallica or Slayer or you know, or after that, like Nirvana, like I still say Nirvana is probably my favorite band ever. Never got rid of any of that stuff. There's very few things that I'd probably be like, eh, whatever about. But at the same time, I loved, like I said, a lot of pop music. I love, I love Madonna. I love country music. It's, it's just kind of all over the place. It still is. I still listen to a lot of different kind of music. See, I respect that. I wish I wouldn't have you know, approach things like I did, but it was a learning process. Mm -hmm. For sure. I think, I think a lot of people did that too, though. And yeah, I think people always, you know, maybe it was uh, at the time it would have been, Oh, Nirvana is my guilty pleasure, but it's, it's not really guilty if it's something you're, you like, you know, exactly. So it's just kind of, I feel like that's a movie quote or something, but still it's, it was things that I liked I was always going to like them. I didn't care, you know. Right. So, um, so you're touring in Reversal of Man. You're very young. We know the band went on for like, I don't know, another five years until the year 2000. What is your mindset? Like, do, do you just want to be in a band and tour? Do you think like, this? I just want to be in, I just want to be a touring musician and that's it? Like, what is your mindset at the time? I mean, at that time, it was great. It was perfect. Because um, I was young. I mean, we were all young at the point, but like we would go on tour, we'd come home and, you know, practice every week and write a ton of songs, record them, put out a record, work, you know, whatever shitty job that we had to get just to like pay rent and change the strings on our guitars and stuff like that. And it, it worked back then to do that, you know, um, it was definitely devastating when, we weren't a band anymore, especially right away. Kind of didn't know what to do with myself, you know? So like, that was all, that was all I knew when I was still so young. So what happened? Why did the band end? Um, I think it was, it was a few different things. Um, 
I think a, a couple of us just weren't interested in doing that band anymore, which at the time you didn't understand, but later on you're like, okay, I get it. You know, why didn't you want to do it anymore? Um, I did. Uh. I, I, I was one of the ones that was, you know, Oh, we could work this out. But at the same time, you had to respect everyone else's thoughts and feelings about it. Um, but we did. So Matt was ready to kind of like settle down with it. Um, he had a lot going on at home. He was in school and he kind of, he told us while we were in Barcelona, Spain in, in the year 2000, that when we got home, he didn't think he wanted to do it anymore. Did he say why? Um, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember exactly. I know he like, it was, he was, he was, uh, he was going through something as that at that time. Yeah. And he, we would kind of be like out doing stuff because we were on tour in Europe. Like this is once in a lifetime type stuff. Right. And we'd be like out having fun and he just wanted to kind of go do his own thing. And that was fine. And we just didn't know what he was thinking at the time until he told us. And I think after that, we all kind of embraced it and, you know, like put everything that we had into it from then on to the end, you know? Yes. So, and there was never, never a hard feeling. Like, I don't know. It was, it was pretty great. Was there no hard feelings back then even? Cause when you're uh, kids, you know, there was, there was some, that was some hard feelings, which I won't get into just cause <laughs> out of respect for other people. And that, especially after 20 plus years at this point, like it just ba- like, talking to people after it and basically kind of like clearing the air, you know? Right. But yeah, there was, there was some hard feelings and it was a little tough. Um, Cause you know, we'd basically grown up with these people and yeah, it was, it was, some of it was tough. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. When does combat wounded veterans start? Does that start while reversal of man is still together or after? Oh yeah, Combat was was a band already. They had been a band already, um, probably since I don't know what year they started, but they were you know different members. And then down the line, they were they were always friends of ours. Down the line, uh, Chris from Combat ended up playing guitar in Reversal. Uh, Dan, who played guitar in Reversal, ended up playing guitar in Combat. So by the time we went on the tour in '99 together. Dan was playing in both bands. Then after Reversal of Man broke up, Combat kind of shifted their lineup a little bit and put Dan, the other another Dan, <laughs> their bass player on main vocals and asked me to play bass. So at that time it was two Dan's, Chris, me, and Jason from that played drums in Frodus. And he was playing drums in combat. And we did that for a couple of years and that kind of fizzled. I guess it felt good for you, right? Because reversal of man ends. We have the opportunity to jump into combat for mm-hmm. full time for a couple of years. So that's good, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. It was it was fun. And I loved playing with those guys. So it, it worked out pretty well. And it was basically like playing with the same people anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it sounded so, like there was a lot of shared yeah, members. It was, yeah. Yeah. So combat goes strong till about 2002, right? Uh, I, th- I think it was 2003. Okay. Um, we didn't do any like crazy tours or anything, but we did, we played in the Northeast. We did the last 
four orchid shows mm-hmm. with them. That was probably the biggest thing we did while I was in the band, besides like putting one record out. And uh, Reversal of Man and Combat Wounded Veteran are pretty... Uh, th- you guys have a legacy, you know, in that world of music. Uh, do you notice that at all? Because I always see Reversal of Man mentioned and Combat mentioned, like in the legacy of Screamo, if we want to call it that. That's that's how I knew this music when I first entered into this whole thing. What do you think of all that? Um, I mean, the, the term Screamo has always been kind of cringe to me, but... Uh... I mean, it's it's amazing that people still care about it 23, 24 years later. Um, it's amazing that there's kids out there that are recently into hardcore and punk rock and they get their hands on a reversal of man or combat record and they love it. Like, you know, kids that never, they weren't even born yet, you know, like that was insane to me that... Uh, I don't know. There's like a whole scene of kids that never got to see any of these bands or hear truly like new music from these bands, but they still give a shit about it, you know? Yeah. Um, yes, of course it's recognized. It's appreciated. It's, it's sometimes like sitting back and thinking about it. It's like, man, this is awesome. What we are a part of. Um, it's, it's incredible. How do you hear about new people getting into it? Do people ever reach out to you? Like um, a little bit. I so I run the Reversal of Man Instagram page. Mm-hmm. Um, I did like the run of T-shirts about a year ago, so I, I kind of handle all that stuff. Um, I like I meet between me and Repeater putting out the the uh, three the three LP discography. Um, so yeah, you, you see it in like, you know, Instagram followers or like comments, stuff like that. You'll, you notice the younger kids that are into it that, I don't know, it's, you, you notice it for sure. And there's, you know, even like my other band just played in Texas in July and somebody came up to me at one of the shows like, I think I saw your, your old band play. It was at the same venue too, play at the same venue, you know, 23 24 years ago he had seen reversal man play at this the same venue that one of my current bands was playing at so i thought that was pretty cool that's got to be a trip yeah yeah it was pretty neat wow and that's got to feel good right something that you did when you were like 15 16 17 years old people are still discovering it till this day for sure yeah it's it's pretty uh it's insane to think about <laughs> <laughs> So Reversal of Man and Combat are done. It's like 2003. We obviously have a long time until we get to Horsewhip. So, I mean, what what's did you stay active in music? What is what were you up to? So, I when they both bands broke up, I went to school. Actually, I I take it back. I was in school while Combat was still a band. Um, but I went to school, got my license to work on airplanes. Mm. So I'm a, I'm an aircraft mechanic. Um, learned the trade, finished and kind of moved away. And all I did was work for a long time. Where'd you move? Uh, so first I moved to Columbia, South Carolina. Mm -hmm. That was, you know, it was pretty awful. (laughs) (laughs) Um, then I moved to Columbus, Ohio, which was great because I had a lot of friends there. Um, then I moved to Chicago for a little bit and then back to Columbus, Ohio. 
and then from there, I moved back to Florida in 2007. So you were just working on airplanes just, and in various just, cities for a while. Yeah, just working at that time. Then I moved back here. I was working night shifts, so it was kind of tough. Um, you know, because I, you know, I wanted to start a band with my friends, but it was I just didn't have the time. You know, the time that everyone else had. Yeah, it was a few years. Then finally, I started a band, a short-lived band called Sweet Pharaohs, with uh, my friend. Greg and Seth and uh, Harold, who was the singer from Hank Shaw. Mm-hmm. We played two shows <laughs> and then just stopped being a band not too long after that. Yeah. Um, then it was a couple more years and uh, I got asked to play in a band with Sean, who's in Horsewhip, mm-hmm. Dan, who was in Combat and Reversal, and our friend Mike. And it was called Fathers. So it's kind of like a a Depeche Mode worship type band. Mm-hmm. Um, so we started writing a bunch of songs and we would just re- kind of record them in Dan's apartment. And I feel like, I feel like we were getting ready for a show. Then Mike had to move and it just kind of fizzled from there. Um, but it wasn't long after that, that Sean and I started talking about wanting to play in a heavy band again. And I think we started Horse Whip in 27. Mm-hmm. I think it was. When uh, all those years of not being in a band and leading up to Horsewhip, did you stay active in the scene at all? Did you keep up with bands? Did you go to shows still? Um, a little bit. Not not as much as I wish I would have. Yeah. Um, but it was tough because I worked nights. Yeah. I worked nights and I worked weekends. So there'd be a show here and there I could get to. Um, I think I'd... I, kind of paid attention to like some of the local bands. Um, I mean, I still loved all the bands that I I loved years before that, but yeah, I, was, I definitely fell off for a little bit. And what did you do during those years? Did you have like different hobbies or like, I think about, I don't know, in 2017, I got my act together and started playing music again and doing all the stuff that I do now. But there was like a good 15 years where I was in bands on and off, but I mostly just would get fucked up. Like I would just go out and drink and mm-hmm. get high and and that was it. And that was, I guess that was enough for a very long time. I, I think that when I was living in Columbus, I've talked about this with my friend Adam that lives there. Um, you know, he played in bands. I played in bands between our group of friends there. We could have started a band, but instead we went out and drank and... Yeah. You know, did stupid shit, um, <laughs> which was fine too because it was we still had fun and we were hanging out with our friends. Yeah, but we yeah. definitely could have started a band at that point, and we just never did. It didn't even—I don't think it ever even crossed our minds. It's which seems crazy to me, you know. But yeah, it's odd because uh, you know I think about myself younger, and I'm like, wow, I wanted to be in a band so bad, but I feels like getting fucked up was more of a priority. But, you know, now that I'm older and I don't get fucked up anymore, it's just like, well, I'm doing all the stuff that I wanted to do then, but wasn't doing. Yeah. Yeah. It's possible. It's kind of, kind of the same. Yeah. You know, but it's crazy. (laughs) So Horsewhip gets started in 2017. How does it feel to be in a heavy band again? Um, I mean, so it started out a little rough. We, it was me and Sean um, and another 
person playing drums and our friend Mike was singing. Um, but the other person playing drums wasn't really a drummer and it was tough <laughs> to say the least. Um, how so? Uh, he, he, he wasn't good at drums. <laughs> <laughs> um, like to the point where I think the last time we practiced with him, I think me and Sean were driving there. I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> just, <laughs> just, you know, like he's a great guy, but just couldn't do it, you know? Yeah. Um, but it was right after that, Alex sent me a message on Facebook, I think. Um, he had just moved to St. Pete. He plays drums. And if I knew of anyone that looking, you know, looking for a, a drummer for a band. And of course, I was like, uh, Yep. <laughs> so me and Sean met up with him a few days later, and I think we ended up writing the first horsewhip song from there. Like it was us three, and then our friend Mike was singing. It just kind of, Mike doesn't sing for the band anymore. Um, we kind of parted ways during COVID. Um, so what happened? Uh, it was just tough. He, he lived farther away. Like we were, we were all in St. Pete. He lived about 45 minutes North of us or so, maybe a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, so he couldn't get to practice. And, you know, there was a point where we weren't practicing cause you weren't supposed to be around other people. And I think it just got to, got to a point where me and Sean decided that maybe we'll just take over the vocal duties and add another guitar player. And we, that's what we chose to do. Um, so we added Dave on guitar and me and Sean kind of hashed out the vocals that him and Mike had done. Um, and it was, this was right after we re- released the the last record. So this is 2020. We released the record with Mike on it. And then he was no longer in the band right after that. How is he with all this? Is he all right? Are you guys all right? Um, unfortunately, we haven't spoken Mm. Um, which is a bummer. We've known yeah. Mike forever. Um, I love Mike. I just, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Just don't, don't have a ton in common. Yeah. And that's okay. That's okay. It just, it just is what it is. Like there's, there's ex bandmates exactly. of mine. I haven't spoken to them since the band broke up and I don't hate them or anything. It's just like, we just don't talk. But if I ran into them, I'd say hi and all that stuff, you know? For sure. For sure. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. It sucks. But like you said, it is what it is. So we've got the new lineup. We've got you and Sean on vocals now. How do we feel about it? Is it, is it an easy transition? Do we like the, the new arrangement? hundred percent. Sean, Sean does most of the vocals. Um, he's got a way better voice than I do. Uh, way better at screaming. He's sang in other bands. Um, he's he's good at it. He knows what he's doing. I kind of take his lead. I was like, ah, wherever you need help, I'll do it. I'm definitely less consistent than him, but that's because I don't know how to do it, and he does. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> so, when do we get the attention of Iodine Recordings? How does that arrangement start? I don't know. I think that I think that was Alex's work. I don't know when it was. I don't remember, but I think he had mentioned something. I don't know if he knew Casey back in the day. I don't remember, but I know he had mentioned something to them that, you know, we were writing new songs and looking for somebody to put them out eventually. Um, but we just kind of kept in touch with Casey since then. And, you know, he'd, he'd hit us up and, Hey, how's it going? We're like, 
okay, we wrote some songs. We're getting there. You know, um, there was yeah. nothing ever really set in stone um, until I think until we had it recorded and sent him a recording of it. And hopefully he was stoked about it. <laughs> I think he was. He's putting out your record, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So uh, we have, is this the debut LP or no, this would be the, uh, the, the second LP coming out, Consume and Burn, right? It'd be technically the third. Mm. Uh, so our first record we did, we, it's six songs that we did on LP. Yeah. And that came out in 2018, I think. So we did that. And then we did another LP with 10 songs, I think. And so this will be the third one, really. Yes, Consume and Burn, which is out November 10th. And uh, I'm looking forward to this because I love all the singles I've heard so far. So tell us about the record. When did you start, or when did you record it? Um, So we recorded most of it in February, I think it was this year. Mm -hmm. We had already recorded two songs that we just kind of remixed and reamped with the the new stuff. Yeah, I don't know. We recorded in February in Gainesville with our friend John over two weekends, I think it was. Mm-hmm. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. Um, it's cool to finally get these songs out because we, we definitely dragged our feet for a long time with writing songs and you know playing shows and stuff. I think we just kind of – we had a, a tough spot with like our practice space. It was at Alex's house before. Yeah. And then uh, – him and his partner split, so we had to move out and find a new spot. But since we've been there, it's been pretty solid. Nice. So, yeah, it's been pretty great. When you record the LP, do you already have the deal locked in with Iodine? I don't think we did at that point. So what happened? Do you show them the record and they're interested? I think, obviously we were talking to them before it. Yeah. I think we went ahead and recorded it. And we, you know, we kind of talked a few a few details, nothing crazy. We went ahead and recorded it and then sent them mixes. And I think it was, that was when we, we started getting the ball rolling to, you know, the mix and the master. And then they've got that. And then we got the art done. And, and then that was kind of a, a little, took a little longer than we had planned. Just kind of, there was a little bit of back and forth with that. Um, and then, uh, since then, it just seems like, I don't know, they've just kind of taken it and ran with it, and they've been doing awesome. Yeah, it's got to be exciting, right? This is the first record I think you've had out in a while. Um, so my other band just did a record earlier this year. Which band is that? Uh, it's called Heaven's Gate. Mm-hmm. Um, we did a record uh, in, I think we put it out in February. It came out in on uh, Beach Impediment Records. Tell us about that band. Uh, so it's me. Yes. It's... My friend Mike, who also plays guitar in Warthog, mm-hmm. <clears throat> they're a New York hardcore band. Tony Foresta, who is the he sings in Municipal Waste. Oh, and then our drummer is Paul Mazurkowitz, who plays drums in a band called Cannibal Corpse. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, I think I've heard of them. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah, if I if smart. I remember correctly, I think their drummer is pretty good. If I he's. Uh, He's pretty incredible. Wow. Yeah. Pretty wild. Um, So, yeah. So, this was something we had talked about. Me and Tony had talked about uh, a few years ago because he he just moved back 
right before COVID, I think it was. He's he's from this area. He moved back. We had talked about it briefly, and then he hit me up once Mike moved to St. Pete. And I was just kind of like, let me know. You know, I'd love to do it. And they got Paul on board. And I think when they hit me up to do it, and I said yes. I want to say it was September of 21. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I think September 21. And then I had like a crazy schedule until like October, November. Yeah. So I was basically like, yes, I'm in. Let's do this. I just can't practice or anything till this, you know, October, November. Right. And then it worked out. Um, so yeah, it was, we recorded five songs in January of 22 and then put out a one-sided LP with a etched B-side earlier this year. That's exciting. I got to hear that. Uh, Is it intense playing with the the drummer of Cannibal Corpse? I would be terrified to play bass to his drumming. At first, it was very, you know, nerve-wracking. I'm not a good bass player. (laughs) I'm not bad, but I'm not good. Um, So it was going in, like, we practice at the Cannibal spot, too. Oh, really? So, like, going in there, it's just kind of like... Okay, I guess this is what we're doing. What's it like? I but, imagine like a bunch of candles like melted down all the way <laughs> and like skulls everywhere. And like, what's it like? Um, well, first of all, he's the most easygoing guy. He's the nicest guy in the world. Yeah. Um, incredible drummer, obviously. Um, but he's he's just he's a he's a great guy. All all those guys are great guys. They're a charm to be in the in a band with. Yeah, super easy going. Basically, we went in there like we want to play punk rock, and we're playing punk rock. Um, and he's down with it, and he's—I don't know—it's—it's it's great, it's fun. But yeah, their space is, uh, you know, kind of, kind of what you, not quite the candle thing, but like there's a bunch of equipment in there, kind of because they have a ton, a ton of stuff that they bring on tour with them. They kind of store it there, mm-hmm. um, and then just the walls are lined with flyers of tours and shows and i feel like you pick out new stuff every time you go in there but it's it's a cool little spot that's cool (laughs) it's it's pretty neat yeah it's very cool um i mean a band that i've been listening to since i was you know before being a teenager and never would have thought you know i'd be playing with them you know yeah they were like uh the scariest band when when i was Mm -hmm. like 11 12 there was this guy who lived down the street and he he would wear cannibal corpse shirts and he had like an upside down cross on his car. And mm-hmm. I would go to the record store and look at the cannibal corpse album covers and be like, Oh my God, this is like so crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's it's insane, you know, like, you know, because Paul's uh he writes songs, he writes, you know, guitar riffs, he writes a lot of vocals for cannibal, and you just would never think it. <laughs> 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 it's pretty great. It's pretty awesome. I love that. Yeah. Like I said, great guy. Super stand-up guy. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah, he's just, all of them are good people, and they're awesome to be in a band with. Like, we just did, like I said, we played Texas. We just had three shows in Texas, and three of us drove the van out there with our with equipment, and uh, we had a great time. It was, it was great. That sounds awesome. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Reversal of Man has a famous song about an incident at an Earth Crisis show. The song is Get the Kid with the Sideburns, yes? Uh, Yes. (laughs) All right, so hear me out. 
I had Scott from Earth Crisis on this podcast a while ago. Awesome. He told a story about that show, right? Now, if this is okay with you, Jeff, I want to play what he said and then hear your side of the story. I will do my best because I was not there. All right, but you have some pers- you have some perspective. <laughs> I do. I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can check the story if if it's like totally out of whack. Sure. All right, I'm going to play the clip. It's like a little over a minute and then we'll do some commentary. Okay. All right, here we go. There there's so much precursor to that incident. It, there's two other times that we played there in Tampa and these guys are always like heckling and throwing stuff and it was just constantly that kind of stuff. And it was also other bands that we were friends with. They're like, I hate going to St. Petersburg. If whenever we go to St. Petersburg, there's this group of kids and they just like, they heckle and they throw shit. And then if you, if you say something to them or you do anything, then they're the victims, you know? And so this time, much like I was talking about, it was like days beforehand, people were like, Oh, well, you know, those guys are going to come and they're going to throw eggs at you. Like when you play, you know, the bottom line is like they were going to throw stuff. They came with bad intentions and then bad stuff happened and they're the victims. Right. You know, so it's like when we, when we got up on stage to play, Carl asked to keep the lights on. Somebody in the crowd yelled something. Next thing you know, we all ran off the stage. We were all getting fights. VOD was mad because these guys were acting like idiots while they were playing. VOD came running out from the backstage room. There was a big fight. Some guy with sideburns tried to kick Carl. Missed him. So Carl jumped on the table and was like, Hey, where's that guy with the sideburns? Like in context, it all makes sense. Of course, they changed the narrative to frame it to make us look like we're weirdos. And Carl was just randomly yelling, get the kid with the sideburns. Of course, there's context to the whole thing. So that's Scott Krause, <laughs> guitar player of Earth Crisis, uh, giving a recap of that show. Now, Jeff, you weren't there, but I'm sure you know some of the people allegedly involved, and I'm sure you've heard about this over the years. So give us your thoughts. So I'll give it to them. Tampa, St. Pete, if you came here and played, you're going to get heckled. <laughs> That's It was just part of the deal. Um, was that uh, was that like any band or just Earth Crisis or like what, no. what what was the what was the scene like what was basically basically the premise was if you are a band that people like yeah you're gonna you're gonna you're getting heckled uh. you didn't get heckled because of who you were you got heckled because people liked you you know um, so it, it was like a, an endearing thing maybe taken the wrong way in some I, cases I think it probably started that way yeah. Um, part left out is also a part I wasn't there for. So I, all I know is stories. Right. It's, they had a mutual friend who did something that they didn't agree with. And somebody from earth crisis punched him. And when the whole thing with the lights was, I don't remember how that happened. Cause like I said, I wasn't there. So yeah. it's hard for me to say, um, I just recently saw a video of it though online on YouTube. It's pretty funny to see the actual like where's the kid with the sideburns line. <laughs> Wait, also, so you, like, you can actually hear that in the video? Oh yeah, yeah. And it, also you're at a hardcore show. There's like eighty five percent of the kids here have sideburns. <laughs> um, which was kind of the other funny thing about it. Um but yeah, there was like like you said, there was definitely more context to it. To why it happened. Yeah. Um, when it comes down to it, the kid with the sideburns was Matt, our singer. Yeah. Who definitely didn't try to kick. He's like the most passive guy in the world. Um, that, but then there's also John, our drummer, who was there, who's not super passive, also has sideburns. 
Um, but this particular show, I think everyone showed up wearing like seventies outfits, so, you know, big wigs and colorful bell bottoms and stuff like that. It was just one of one of the shticks that Tampa had was it was you know seventies night basically. <laughs> um, and I, I know they weren't stoked about that. Um, because actually that same night I was in Tampa, Combat Wounded Veteran was playing a show in Tampa that we were all at. And then we drove over to the Earth Crisis show afterwards, but it was after everything had happened. There was cops outside. It was crazy. It was a scene to say the light, the least. Yeah. So, you know, it all happened. We get the story mostly from Matt and John, what happened. And I think the next week we practiced in Orlando at my parents' house and we decided we were going to write a song and rip off the Firestorm riff. And we did. And some people were not stoked about it. (laughs) When you release that song, do you get a lot of hate mail or threats? Like what's the deal? Um, So it came out on the 10 inch, the Revolution Summer 10 inch. And I feel like it maybe didn't, pick up immediately just because it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like a huge record. It wasn't out on victory records, you know. Plus it's not um, like the age of the internet. Things take a little while to uh, spread. Exactly. Uh, but it got to a point where we were, I think at one point we were told that, you know, if we ever played Syracuse, we'd get stomped. Um, we've had, I think it was Courage Crew. Oh yeah. Show up to a show before in like one of the first like Gainesville fests that basically told us if we played it, you know, they were going to beat us up and stood in the back with baseball bats. These like huge guys wanted to beat up, you know, five scrawny straight edge vegan kids. I remember seeing some of those guys at, I think it was the f- first furnace fest I went to in 2002. And mm-hmm. it was like the giantest guy I've ever seen. Like, yeah, it, yeah. it, w- it was pretty scary. Yeah. they. I mean, they were not, uh, <laughs> They were scary looking guys, especially yeah. to, to us, you know? Um, so I'm guessing you didn't play the song? We did not. I thought, so for years, I thought we did just because of bad memory. Yeah. And then somebody recently cleared it up for me because we did an interview after that show and we had said that we didn't play it. But I feel like after that happened, we started playing it because just to a point where like, it's a fucking song, like give us a break. Yeah. Um. So we would play it, but I think that was the extent of like the threatening or whatever we never actually got beat up for it It, i said it 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 happened it is what it is (laughs) yeah um and i think the the main thing about why matt wrote the lyrics that he did it was the biggest thing was these guys you know these other you know peers of ours basically wanted to fight us over some dumb shit when we we had the same same views, same message, same, you know, we, we did the same fucking thing, just on a different scale. Um, and to him, it was like, it really like, they, they put a stain on like, you know, being straight edge or vegan to him, you know? Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Because you guys, I, or I'm, I'm guessing all or most of you were vegan, straight edge. And it sounds like you were involved in some charitable things from uh, the Food Not Bomb Center, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, like I said, it was just same message, maybe going about it a different way. Yeah. Um, I mean, Matt, to this day, is still straight edge, still vegan. I know those guys are too. Um, I don't know. It's just one of those things. Like We have the same message 
why you know why why do you want to beat us up <laughs> was it mistaken um, identity like because the singer of reversal of man and the drummer had sideburns did they get caught in the crossfire possibly i don't know they were definitely there on the the heckling side yeah but like i said if you came to tampa and played in tampa and people liked you you're getting heckled reversal man got heckled countless times combat heckled countless times um there's just so many bands the locust heckled hardcore in tampa the locust got head gold yeah i've had justin on the show he said that was like a thing where the Mm -hmm. and not just in tampa but the audience would antagonize him and sometimes they would fight back yeah yeah so it didn't go well in tampa with them i remember (laughs) um what happened i wish i could remember the exact story but i think it was a show that combat played with them when i was in combat and it was (laughs) to the point of like uh maybe the heckling went too far this time yeah. You know, um, I think somebody ended up like throwing a chair or a stool at the stage at them or something like that. I can't, honestly can't remember, but it turned into a thing where I think they stopped playing and basically said, fuck you, we're done. And I don't blame them to that point, you know? Right. Because, um, yeah, sometimes it definitely got out of hand. Um, I know a lot of people confuse the yogurt throwing at earth crisis with Tampa. That was not Tampa. <laughs> no, that's the famous earth crisis, yeah. Syracuse in- incident, not this famous earth crisis, Tampa. Incident. Uh, it was, um, Sean McCabe from ink and dagger. I think. No, you know what? Yogurt. I asked uh, Scott about that too. And it was not Sean who threw the yogurt, but he was at the show. Okay. Yeah. So, so yes, totally different story, but it yeah. gets confused a lot. You right. Know? Um, but like I said, like, and now Scott is in a band where, with people that were our peers in like the DIY hardcore scene back then too. Yeah. You know, so. Did you ever run into him or the band ever again? Did you ever cross paths? No. Um, I'm sure they played down here again. I, I just don't know. Yeah. Um, the, the only other story I have was my friend Josh that I went to high school with went and saw them play. This was years after the fact, too. Yeah. Um, saw them play with uh, the Misfits when they were playing shows in whatever year that was, 98, mm-hmm. 99. So they're they there for the Misfits, they're, but they're going to see Earth Crisis, obviously. But his idea was to bring <laughs> Earth Crisis, a reversal of man, like a cover from the 10-inch to see if they would sign it. Oh, my God. <laughs> So he brought it up to him, and whoever it was that he brought it to ripped it into a bunch of pieces and threw it on the ground, and basically they got chased out of there. <laughs> <laughs> so he's got one little ripped up piece of the record, and he sent me like a, a scan of it not a couple of years ago that I've got. And he's got like a, a whole story online. I'd have to like link you to it or something, but it's uh, it's a pretty entertaining story. What a ballsy move. I would be too scared to do something like that. Well, that was the thing is, I think uh, the idea of the story was this group of kids that went from Orlando, I think they went to like Melbourne or Daytona or something to see them. Yeah. <laughs> Out of all of them, all the all the guys were too scared. So the, the one female that was with them was like, I'll do it. Oh my God. <laughs> so I think that's how it happened. Something like that. Wow. It's pretty, pretty good story. A lot of shenanigans. A ton of, I mean, it's Florida. Florida is known for it. Um, I mean, just even, I don't know, just us being on tour, like you could tell people didn't get some of our humor. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It happens, but we were pretty wild back then though, too. 
Florida is a wild place. Yeah, I mean, we all know the Florida man stereotype, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Yep. It's, uh, I'd say some of it's true. <laughs> <laughs> so let's recap. Now, Heaven's Gate put out a record this year. We want to listen to that, of course, right? Mm-hmm. That's an all-star lineup, and it sounds like great stuff. Yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. That's good stuff. Any more shows coming up? Um, there's a fest in Tampa in November called Hellshine. Mm-hmm. Um, both Heaven's Gate and Horsewhip are playing that um, with a ton of other great bands. That's it for Heaven's Gate. Horsewhip has that and fest in Gainesville right now. That's it. And we have Consume and Burn coming out November 10th on iodine and i'm looking forward to hearing that because i love all the singles i've heard so far in terms of like heavy music that's right up my alley so uh excellent work thank you thank you yeah it's uh we're very stoked to get it out um the the art looks fucking awesome it was done by chris norris that does steak mountain who also has a book coming out soon on rose rose books is the uh publication um company that put it out uh, they also just did a book for uh, Jeff Rickley from Thursday. Oh, yes. Um, but yeah, Chris has a book coming out, I think October 10th, something like that. So yeah, but you can pre-order that now. You can pre-order Consume and Burn now. So you get like two two doses of Chris Norris there. Yeah, let's do it. I mean, what are we <laughs> waiting for? Come on. Um, yeah, but I'm excited to see the physical records because the art came out so fucking awesome. The vinyl colors look fucking awesome. Stoked about the songs that are on it. I don't know. I think it's a good record. Proud of it. Awesome. So, Jeff, uh, thank you. I, uh, you know, I've been listening to your bands for a long time, and I'm looking forward to hearing more from Horsewhip and Heavensky. So, thank you for taking the time to come on the show. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to go back and listen to this uh, the Scott episode. I don't, think I, re- I don't think I realized it. But it, it's crazy. I like I like his current bands, you know? Fuck, I mean, I liked Earth Crisis back then. <laughs> and there you have it. Jeff Howe. Great, great stuff. Excellent to talk to Jeff. Look at everything the guy's done over the years. Reversal of Man, classic. Combat Wounded Veteran, classic. And now Horsewhip. Really looking forward to hearing the rest of the record that's coming out soon. And uh, yeah, it was just interesting to hear his story. And of course, his perspective on the whole Earth Crisis thing. You know, I I just like these old scene stories. And to, to be able to talk to the people involved and get different perspectives on it is just really interesting to me. So thank you so much, Jeff, for coming on the show. All right, so let's check in. How are we doing? I'm going to keep it short this week because I am exhausted. I was gone for two weeks playing some Darling Fire gigs, and I just got home today at three in the morning, okay? I am beat. I got all my stuff put away and got things cleaned up a little bit. But let me give you a recap of what happened. On October 18th, I left with John, the drummer of the Darling Fire, and we drove down to South Carolina from New York City to play the first gig at Tua Lingua. That's a venue in North Charleston, South Carolina. 
And if you have the opportunity to play this place, you have to. It's one of the coolest venues I've ever played. It's a house that they turned into an all-ages venue, and it's like an art studio too. So they have art installations in there. We played there during our last run with Spotlights back in June, and we played there again on October 19th. And the show was fantastic. A great way to kick off this little run of shows. After that, we played Monufest in Newport Ritchie, Florida. Monufest is an annual fest put on by the wonderful folks over at Ashtray Monument Records. So shout out to Ben and Drew and Lewis. Uh, amazing fest. Tons of great bands. It was an all-day thing. The setup was great. They had an outdoor stage and an indoor stage. And uh, I, we headlined. We headlined it, which was crazy. Uh, it's always still crazy to me when I play a headlining show. But really dug the fest and really dug the band who played right before us, Fjort, who were the headliners as far as I'm concerned. They killed it. They absolutely killed it. I was completely blown away and completely humbled going on after them <laughs> because... Uh, wow, this was their first U.S. show as well. So check them out. Really awesome band, Fjort, F-J-O-R-T. And a special shout out to Ben from Ashtray Monument Records. He let us stay with him twice during this run. Uh, super nice guy. Ben, thank you. Thank you again. You're the best. So after that, there was some downtime. There was some days in between until our next shows the following week. So I just was posted up in a hotel for three days. So I took that opportunity. Well, I had to work Monday, Tuesday. I work remotely, so I did that. But at night and during some downtime, I took the opportunity to get ready for some upcoming guests, you know, do some research, get some work done, practice the set in the hotel room, all that stuff. But the downtime, I've realized, is really, really, really hard for me. If I'm not in my usual setting at home with my usual setup, I go insane. I go insane. And traveling with four other people for as long as I did is also really difficult. I hadn't done something like that since the last long tour I went on with This Day Forward back in 2003. So that presented its own set of challenges, but I just isolated when I could and took time for myself when I could. But, you know, I'm away from home. I hadn't been away from home for that long. Uh, I'm away from recovery. I didn't. Well, I, I I was about to say I didn't go to any meetings while I was away, but that's not true. I did end up going to one, speaking at one. So that was, uh, I did that remotely. And that was good because I needed that to plug back in and get my head straight. But uh, after the three days of downtime, we played two more gigs. One more was like a pre-fest show uh, with Madball, the great Madball. Now, I had never seen Madball before, but... They killed it. They are just consummate professionals. They got the crowd going. They got everybody moving. They got everybody charged up. People moshing, people having a good time. Awesome stuff. And at this show, some iodine bands also played Love Letter with Jay Moss. He's been on this show before. I got to meet Jay in person. Love Letter absolutely killed it. And hey, thanks. Another iodine band who I've been waiting to see forever caught their set. Amazing stuff. Got to spend a lot of time talking to Travis, the frontman of that band. So really awesome to finally meet Travis and some of and uh, the rest of the band. Uh, just a really good time. That was a really really fun show. 
The final gig was in Athens, Georgia, at a place called Flickr. Athens is such a cool town, college town. Uh, I had never been there before. I had never played Flickr before. John, the drummer of the Darling Fire, his friend Marcus, set up that show. So shout out to you, Marcus, for pulling that together. Uh, So we had the opportunity to play one more gig before we went home. Great venue, great town, super, super fun. One of the most fun gigs I played in that whole short run. So another successful run done. And this time I just committed to trying to have more fun during the shows and not during the shows, right? I uh, I didn't want to be all uptight. I didn't want to be uptight while we were playing. I just wanted to like go crazy and have fun and not be so worried about playing everything absolutely perfectly. And that's what I did. And it was a lot of fun. And I'm super happy that I have the opportunity to be in this band and play these shows because Listen, even before I was a podcaster, I was a band person. I played in bands. I've played in bands semi-regularly since I was 24 years old, but I never felt like I got to do it quite how I wanted to or as much as I wanted to in all of those years. And I feel like that's starting to happen now because yes, the podcast is cool. It's great. I love it. I'm always going to do it for as long as I want to, but Playing music is a whole different beast, and I absolutely love it. You know, there, there's been a lot of periods where I've been away from it, either because I wasn't in a band or I couldn't put one together or I was too fucked up to do it, and I just always felt separate. So when I have these opportunities to play and be a part of things and connect with other musicians and just be in it, it it's the best feeling in the world. It's something that I need. It's something I needed to get back to. And it's something that I want to dive further into. So I'm super happy and super grateful that I get to do this. So successful run, tons of fun, looking forward to doing it again. And that's it. That's it. I, uh, I'm going to, again, I'm going to keep it short this week because I am tired, really tired, didn't get to sleep till 3 a.m. And I had to get up early this morning for something else. But next week, is episode 200 of the podcast, if you can believe that. I can't believe it. And we've got a very big show planned. We have a guest I've been working on for years. Years. It's one of my favorite bands, and uh, it's going to be an explosive blowout episode. We have the blockbuster interview that is happening. We'll do the New Scene Community Hour. At the end of the show, I've got a lot of reviews and feedback from listeners and different things to read. We'll talk about the show. We'll come together and celebrate 200 episodes of the podcast. There's a a lot of great stuff planned. So strap in. So I leave you with a musical recommendation. Now, that's another good thing is I had an opportunity to listen to a shitload of music on this run. There was a lot of driving, a lot of driving. There was a 14-hour drive down to South Carolina. There was a 14-hour drive back from Athens, Georgia. Two days, wait, was that two days ago? One day? I don't know. I have no idea what day it is. There was a 14-hour drive back from Athens. A lot of opportunity to listen to music new and old. There's a lot of great new stuff out. There's old stuff I discovered. We're going to have endless musical recommendations for the upcoming weeks. And I think I'm going to push the music recommendation section to the end of the show. I think, maybe, I don't know. I'm, I'm tooling around with the format a little bit. 
uh, trying some different things to see what works best. But here is our musical recommendation for this week. The band is Fjort, F-J-O-R-T. The band from Germany I was telling you about who played Manifest with us, their first US show. I was blown away. Uh, This song particularly grabbed me. It's called Magnifique. We will end the show with that song and I'll add them to the new scene 2023 Spotify playlist. Check out the band, check out the playlist, follow it, and come back next week where we will be celebrating 200 massive episodes of the podcast with a massive new guest. I'll see you then.